Portions of this program may be pre recorded. All engines running, commit liftoff. Hey, welcome to SWAT Radio. This is Doug McCary of His Light Ministries. You're listening to 91.7 The Truth here in Jacksonville, 91.9 in St. Augustine, 91.3 up in Folkestone, Georgia. Also, a big shout-out to our listeners up at the Lighthouse in Virginia, up in the Virginia Beach, Chesapeake, Virginia area, and then Meridian, Mississippi, WMER. And we are very excited today to have uh, a couple of guests that are very well known throughout our country and in ministry circles. They have had a huge impact for the kingdom, and I'm so thankful to have had paths cross with them uh, and just to be ministered to by their resources. And uh, the first half hour, we got Dr. Tony Evans. The second half, we got Dr. Vody Bauckham. And uh, Dr. Evans is in uh, Dallas. Dr. Bauckham used to be in Houston, but he's over in Africa now. And uh, uh, first half hour, like I said, we got Dr. Tony Evans. And uh, Dr. Evans, welcome to SWAT Radio. Good to be with you. Thank you. Well, um, Dr. Evans, you have been the pastor of Oak Cliff for how many years now? 44 years. 44 years at the same church. And uh, I've had the privilege of being in that church and listening to you and uh, so thankful for you. And again, I shared this on the phone, but, uh, you know, we miss Lois. I know you and your family miss her. We are very blessed by her ministry, too. And uh we just want you to know our prayers are with you and your family, and uh, uh, just uh, so thankful for uh, being able to get to meet her and know her as well. So uh, we just uh, lift you up in your family in prayer. Um, Appreciate it. Um, so you are the founder and the president of the Urban Alternative. Uh, you have spoken at Promise Keepers, and um, you've written a lot of books. The One of the books I want to focus on today uh, is a book, uh, about the kingdom man and just th- what it means to be a man in God's kingdom. I've heard you share about that. Um, I didn't know until I started doing a lot of research that you grew up in Baltimore. I thought you were kind of a Southern guy, but you grew up in the Baltimore area, right? Absolutely. Born and raised. Born and raised in Baltimore and uh, went to Alexander Hamilton uh, Elementary School and I heard you sharing about that. Could you share a little bit with our listeners about what life was like for you as a young man growing up, up in that part of the country during that time? Well, yeah, I was born into a non-Christian home, um, and um, a lot of a lot of volatility there. But uh, when I was about uh, ten or eleven, my father got saved, and he got radically saved. Uh, gave his life to Christ, and uh, um, and that that changed the temperature of my home. Uh, the, I mean, he won my mother to Christ, won the kids to Christ, and took us to a Bible teaching church. And uh, just I fell in love with God's word. Of course, it was also a time of segregation mm. in Baltimore. And um, uh, you know, when Martin Luther King was assassinated and the riots broke out, and uh, and uh, you know, we had to to deal with with that reality racially. But my father, my father was very steady, uh, loved the Lord, kept kept God first, and kept us on track 
in spite of what was happening around us. Well, I wanted to ask you about that because you grew up, I mean, during that time, I know there were a lot of riots as well and a lot of social unrest. Um, Being around during that time and then witnessing what we have now in our country, how would you compare the two uh, or is there a comparison? Well, this one is is much broader because uh, it, it not only has uh, engulfed major cities, it has engulfed movements throughout the land, and it is creating a conversation in the church that is much more uh, overt and much more uh, uh, direct than than did in the um, in the assassination of Martin Luther King. So. I, I consider this much more volatile, and it has a worldwide impact on it as well. So I'm, I'm, uh, uh, it's this is this is an unprecedented time. Well, it, I I have certainly appreciated some of the comments and the things that you have put out. And by the way, uh, if you would like to get Kingdom Man, you can go to any bookstore or you can go to Amazon.com. And ordered, or you can go to uh, Dr. Evans' website, TonyEvans.org. That's T O N Y E V A N S dot org. And, you know, the Kingdom Man book, uh, Every Man's Destiny, Every Woman's Dream, is a great uh, timed book for now because I think if we ever needed leadership, <laughs> we need it now. And one of the things that you bring across, not only in the book, but also in your testimony and sharing is, is you're a king's kid. And now, did your dad teach you that? Or was that something that uh, other men built into your life, other men who ministered to you, kind of pause in your life? How did you get that mindset of being a king's kid, Dr. Evans? Well, my father laid the foundation for that. That got reinforced with other men in my circle of influence. And as a result of all of that, um, uh, this thing kind of grew in me that that I am to look at my life as a man through the lens of Jesus Christ and not through the lens of culture. And uh, and so my, fa- my father was the model, and everything else just kind of built on top of that. Hmm. Well, I loved what you said. You said as a king's kid, I'm defined by what God says, not what people uh, or the world say, not even what I believe. I remember you saying that. And and speak to that just a little bit about the state of manhood in our country right now and the importance of it, of men having this unique responsibility to lead in our country. Well, the reason God created Adam before Eve was he was going to hold Adam responsible. And a kingdom man is a man who accepts responsibility under divine rule. And so we shouldn't be surprised that the enemy is attacking uh, men, because if he can get rid of the man, he can jeopardize everything else that's banking on it, the home, the church, and the culture. That's why God would meet with men uh, three times a year, not because women weren't important, but because men were responsible. And and the Bible says in uh, Isaiah 3, that when men fail, it says, the children rebel, the wives rule over them, and the men fall on the sword. They Mm. become weak, the culture becomes weak, and things become devastating. So until and unless we get this thing rectified with men, we will continually continue to see 
the devolution of the culture. Wow. And, and men, uh, and especially in our culture, have kind of been, uh, they've been derided. They've been kind of minimized in a lot of ways. And, but, but right now there's a need for men to step up. And, you know, what would you say to the guy out there who goes, I'm kind of tired of the church? You know, the church has never done anything. And he doesn't see the church as relevant, doesn't see God's word as relevant. But he, he says he loves God, but yet he he's struggling right now to lead his family because he has no place to lay an anchor. Well, and, and that's unfortunate. Sometimes it's the church's fault because we've not challenged men. Men want and need a challenge. And so when when everything around them seems soft and feminine and not challenged, that he doesn't see the church often as relevant. So I do think there's a role that the church must play. But what we don't do is throw the baby out with the bathwater. God expects men to be uh, 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 setting the pace in the church. And so whatever your church lacks, you should be a contributor to to help it become what it ought to be, not just a, a Benedict Arnold or someone missing in action. And so I challenge men. Yes, your church may be weak. It may not be, have all the things that men need, but you're a man. You know other men. Why don't you contribute to it becoming what God has called it to be? Mm, uh, that's good. Real quick, we got about one minute. I know that you have mentioned the name Mark Resnick before as a mentor disciple. Who was a Mark Resnick in your life? Is he a guy that just came along as a ministry, Paul, or was he a guy that came into your life prior to you being in ministry? No, it's Martin Resnick, and he came to my life prior to me be being in ministry. He owned a catering service in Baltimore, and he gave me a job as a dishwasher. He said he saw that I was consistent and honest and, and, and a faithful worker, so he then asked me to become the chauffeur when I became 18 for his kids. Wow. And then he helped support me to go to college. So he gave me a bigger vision of what what was uh, available to me than I could. I was able to see in the in the context in which I grew up, and that exposed me to opportunities, which led me to college, which prepared me for ministry. Wow, that's great! Well, Doctor Evans, we got to go to a station break here, and uh, I just want to remind our listeners of your website, TonyEvans.org. If you're listening out there in the Dallas area, you can go to Oak Cliff Bible Church, where Doctor Evans is the pastor. And uh, he has got lots of resources on his website. He's got a book called Kingdom Man that would be a great resource for you. Uh, Every Man's Destiny, Every Woman's Dream. Uh, You can get it on Amazon or through his website. And we're going to be right back, Dr. Evans. And when we come back, I would like for you, if you don't mind, to speak a little bit to what's going on in our culture, to churches that are saying, what can we do to make a difference, okay? Okay. All right. We'll be right back. Hey, you're listening to SWAT Radio. If you want to uh, listen on the website, you can go to www.swatradio.com. If you're transitioning out of your car, just click on the Listen Live link. We're talking to Dr. Tony Evans. Again, his website is tonyevans.org. That's tonyevans.org. Uh, and uh, you can order uh, resources on there. We'll be right back after this break. If you'd like to contact SWAT Radio, the toll-free number is 1-844-777-7928. 
That's 844-777-7928 or 844-777-SWAT. You can also listen to this program through the WTRJ The Truth app from the App Store or over the Internet by accessing www.swatradio.com. We'll be back shortly for further discussion and to take your calls. We're so grateful for having people like Tom Neal Truck Company sponsoring SWAT Radio. Tom Neal Truck Company is located at 417 Edgewood Avenue South in Jacksonville, Florida. Tom Neal is a full-service franchise truck dealer for Freightliner, Western Star, Volvo, Isuzu, and Sprinter vans offering new and used truck sales, service, parts and truck rental and leasing to the North Florida and South Georgia truck market. More information on Tom Neal Truck Company is located at www.tomneal.com. That's www.tomnehl.com. They say sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some. Right now, right now, I'm losing bad. Stood on this stage night after night, reminding the broken it'll be alright. But right now, oh, right now, I just can't. It's easy to say when there's nothing to Hey, welcome back to SWAT Radio. This is Doug McCary of His Light Ministries, and I'm talking with Dr. Tony Evans of Oak Clip Bible Church out in uh, Dallas, Texas, uh, of the Urban Alternative. Uh, Dr. Evans, I remember listening to you many years ago on um, a station over in Mississippi where I grew up. Uh, Real quick, as we go into this segment of our program, uh, what was it like for you? Uh, as a um, a black man who loved the Lord, who was passionately gifted to open God's word, trying to get your radio program carried. Did you struggle with difficulties trying to get that program in different parts of the country? Oh, yeah. I mean, station managers told me that a black listener could, would, uh, would um, offend too many of their white listeners. It wasn't until James Dobson wrote a letter that opened up the doors of opportunity because, you know, he ran interference from me. Mm-hmm. And the reality is that there was, it was a system. It was a system that blocked out non-African-Americans. Uh, uh, and so, uh, unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, God overruled and intervened and, and turned things around. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you have made this statement that I've used several times, and I don't know if you coined it, but I heard you say it, I think, first, that, that in America we don't have a sin problem. It's a sin problem that manifests itself as a skin problem, uh, and that and and so it all boils down to the heart. And um, how how did you work through that as a man who was being put down because of the color of your skin because you had more melanin in your skin? How did you work through that as a believer? And how have you taught other people? 
to deal with that? That's a question that a lot of pastors are asking. How can we help? What can we do to help affect change? Well, uh, you know, first of all, I had to uh, continue to retreat to my identity in Christ and let that define me and how I reacted to other people, how I responded, and also how do I how I viewed myself. And so the biblical foundation laid by my father in those early years really was able to keep me from being bitter or resentful, and then God opened up doors. With regard to what churches can do, I think that's the right question. You know, on our website, we have a three-point plan, because God has really opened up an opportunity for the church. This is a great opportunity, because the world does not have answers. They just have discussions. Mm. But we have the answer, but they can't be just verbally, quote, uh, you know, sending out nice-sounding statements. And so it's a three-point plan. Any community of churches can do this that are biblically kingdom-minded. One, uh, you gather together with other pastors, and then you lead your churches in a solemn assembly where you bring the people together to call God's intervention through the church into our land. Secondly, you speak with one voice about the, the major issues today. What is God's perspective on justice, not only for life in the womb, but fairness to the tomb? And then thirdly, you do good works together. You adopt every public school, or you adopt the police precinct, or you take up a, 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 home, a number of homeless families. Or you, you do something that can be visibly seen as you're working together for the welfare of the city, Jeremiah 29-7. And when those three things happen, and it can happen in every community, you can touch the whole nation, because every community has churches that are multiracial. And you do this across racial lines, and we become the visible preview of coming attractions. Mm. Well, Dr. Evans, I want to thank you for sharing that message. I heard, I didn't hear the three-point plan, but what I heard you say, and I can't exactly remember when, but it was before we started at SWAT doing these projects together with um, Councilman uh, Reggie Gaffney, who's a city councilman here who has a community rehabilitation center on the north side of town. And he works in areas that are, that, you know, are socioeconomically uh, struggling, and and so he brought um, he brought us alongside him, and I heard you share about that. That's the best way, and so we have been partnering with him and other leaders here to do those kind of things. And I can testify that if we serve together, it it does something to break down those walls that are that are there because we're serving alongside our brothers that have a little more melanin in their skin and sisters with more melanin in their skin and we don't even think about that we're just brothers and sisters in the lord working together so thank you for sharing that i want to tell our listeners one more time if you go to tonyevans.org he's got it laid out you just click on it the three steps it's uh it's you know he says we need more than a protest. We need a plan, and it's a kingdom strategy, a three-point plan. You can download it, and pastors, leaders, if you're listening, it's having an intentional impact. And so uh, thank you for, for sharing that. And, you know, I want to go back to what's happening in our country, too, because one of the questions that people are asking, too, is, well, yeah, there people are merging Marxism uh, with the the Black Lives Matter, with not not the not the concept of Black Lives Matter, but the organization Black Lives Matter, and and is there a collective national sin that we need to repent of, as as you know as as a church, 
do we need to take responsibility? That's questions that people are asking, and I'm just curious, have you been asked that? Or you weigh, how, how do you weigh in on that question? Well, yeah, well, the, the church was complicit in uh, slavery and in Jim Crow. You know, the Southern Baptist Church and Northern Baptist Church split in 1845 because the Southern Baptist Church wanted to maintain slavery. Uh, and it was a misuse of Scripture. Uh, you know, uh, Exodus 21, 16 says if you kidnap and you sell somebody, that's a capital crime. Well, that was not preached. That was not taught. So the church gave uh, 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 errant permission to the culture to uh, to uh, uh, hold people hostage and to keep a church divided. The, 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 the unity of the church that was talked about was not being practiced. Hmm. So do we need to repent? We need to repent at the level that we participated. Now, you can participate in one or two things, ways. You can participate because you yourself are racist, or you can participate because you're not an anti-racist, meaning that you didn't speak up against the sin when you should have, even though you may not have personally participated in the sin. Mm. And to whatever degree that exists, you do. But once you do, now you make things better through moral obligation and love, not out of guilt. So you don't walk around being guilty, feeling guilty, or letting other people make you guilty. But you still do the right thing because now God has called us to reconcile. He's called us to love. He's called us to serve the least of these. So out of our moral, spiritual obligation, we begin to function righteously. Hmm. Well, that's good. Well, you know, we, we've just got a few minutes left before our, 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 our time is up with you. And I, I want to I get you to speak to two more things. One, you, in one of your, uh, uh, either a message or uh, interview, you were sharing about the equitable application of opportunities because you were talking about the hopelessness that people feel in some of the areas where they live, some of the areas where they, that that's just where they are or things that have happened. And you talked about that phrase. I heard that, and it was the first time I'd heard it phrased like that. Can you expand on what you mean by equitable application of opportunities well let's start with you know in the bible justice and righteousness go together they're twins uh, psalm 89 14 says from his throne comes righteousness and justice we ought to spend as much time talking about justice as we do about righteousness justice is the impartial and equitable application of god's moral law in society mm. So when we take justice seriously and give it the same clout as righteousness, then we're going to apply that to racial justice. We're going to apply that to economic justice, educational justice. We apply that to all categories of justice. Now, what justice does not do is alleviate responsibility. So what you do is you offer people opportunity for which they must take responsibility for. Oftentimes, minorities, African-Americans, and the poor have not had the equitable uh, chance or opportunity that has been denied them, that should not be denied them. Certainly as Christians, we shouldn't deny them, nor as Americans should they be denied that based on our, our, our Declaration of Independence and, the, and our Constitution. So it means that we make sure that we give them the opportunity to take responsibility, to access the freedom that has been offered to us by the Lord and by our nation, and we should be we should be uh, touting this understanding and application of justice. Mm, that's really good. Thank you, thank you for for sharing that. Um, you know, we we look at the division in our country right now. I I grew up in the '60s, 
Dr. Evans. I was born in 1961, and I I grew up I grew up in Mississippi. I grew up uh, in a segregated school at first, and it integrated uh, when I was in the third grade. I still remember it, and and I remember uh, the differences there. And for some reason, I really feel like God protected me in a lot of ways from from mindsets that were harmful. Uh, and I look at our culture right now and everything that's going on. And one of the things that uh, your dad taught you that I think would be great for you to expound on one minute before we leave here is no limits for our God. And we are not limited. I think you've, you've mentioned that you say it uh, several different ways, but there's no limitations on us by others or even ourselves. You said, um, and we need to believe in a God that can do anything. Could you, could you expound on that in light of what's going on right now? Yeah, I would, I would say that, um, that the limitations of men do not de- determine the limitations of God. And since they don't determine the limitations of God, they don't determine, they don't make a final decision about our limitations either, because God knows how to go through, up, around, or, or he can disintegrate. <laughs> that which seeks to resist his purposes for us. So this is not a time to shy away from God. This is a time to draw near to God, to see the power of God overrule the sin of men and bring healing where there has been much hurt. Mm, that's great. Well, uh, Dr. Evans, thank you so much. Again, um, we we pray for you. I know you miss Lois, and uh, we're praying for you and your family and uh, Anthony and and your daughter and your daughters uh, and your other son, just thank you so much for joining us today. Again, listeners, Dr. Tony Evans, you can go to TonyEvans.org. He's got a three-part plan for you to be able to go in there and do that. And um, you can get his book, Kingdom Man, or you can also go to Amazon and get it. It's a great read for discipleship. Dr. Evans, thank you, and I pray you have a blessed weekend, okay? Thank you. All right. Hey, listen, uh, you've been listening to uh, SWAT Radio. We're going to be back after the break, and we're going to have Dr. Vodi Bauckham. That's V-O-D-D-I-E Bauckham. And uh, he's going to be sharing with us as well about some of the things about discipleship and also what's been going on in our culture. I hope you'll join us after the news break. And you're listening to 91.7 The Truth here in Jacksonville, WMER in Meridian, Mississippi, and The Lighthouse up in Chesapeake, Virginia. And our listeners on the SWAT Radio app or also SWATradio.com through the Listen Live link. Uh, We hope you'll stay with us through this break. You'll be right back on SWAT Radio. Far beyond my reach 
SWAT Radio, it's Doug McCary, and I am uh, waiting right now on Dr. Vody Bauckham to enter in. You're listening to SWAT Radio. SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors Advancing Truth. Dr. Bauckham is, uh, Vody Bauckham is calling from Africa. We're trying to get him in on a Zoom call. So uh, it's a little bit challenging when you're over there with COVID, but we're trying to make this work. So I hope you'll just stay with us and allow these technical uh, (laughs) difficulties to work through here in a second. But um, I hope you enjoyed Dr. Tony Evans. By the way, a kingdom strategy uh, he laid out a while ago is is on his website, TonyEvans.org. And again, that three-part plan, he said, was to uh, have a unified sacred gathering where you just come together and uh, kingdom-minded pastors, he says, and leaders develop a community-wide pastors fellowship. And, um, you know, oh, I got Dr. Bauckham on, I think. Uh, hopefully we can get him uh, air on air. Dr. Bauckham, can you hear me? Oh, hold on. Uh, yes, sir. There he is. Oh, I can hey. see him, too. There you go. Uh, so good to see you. Thank you so much for being with us on SWAT Radio today. Absolutely. Glad to be here. Well, you got quite the beard going there. <laughs> yeah, man. You you look like an elder in the village over there. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, man. Well, that's good. Well, thank you for joining us. Um uh, and while I get while I got you on uh the air, I, I wanna uh ask your website again, is it VBM.org? Is that right? No, it's it's Vodibacum.org. Vodibacum, okay. It's www.voddiebauchham.org, right? Correct. Okay. Well, good. Well, I want to introduce some of our listeners. Some of our listeners may not know who you are, and um, I know that they may know who you are by your YouTube videos, but not by your name, maybe, they, because your YouTube videos have been making the round. You, uh, you were a pastor Oh, well, let's, let's back up even. You were a Rice football player, right? Is that right? Right, right. And uh, I actually was with a guy who played football with you this morning from Rice. Oh, cool. Yeah, his name is Very Bobby. Cool. Uh, he sent me an email. Hold on just a second. I'm going to find it. He sent me an email and said uh, to tell you hi. Bobby Schrader. Do you remember Bobby Schrader? Yeah, I do. I do remember Bobby Schrader. Yeah, he well, he came out and served with us this morning. We were doing a project, and he came out. He said, be sure and tell Vody I said hi. So I told him I would do that, and so uh, it, it's great. So um, you you were grew up in the Houston area, right? I grew up in Los Angeles, yeah. Los Angeles? I didn't know that. See, I'm learning something new. Yeah. So you grew up in L.A. Yeah. We're at in L.A.? In, in L.A., in South Central L.A. South Central yeah. L.A. 
That's isn't that where yeah. Fred Sanford's show was shot? I mean, that's where he was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you grew up in South Central LA, and uh, of, what, of all the things that we could be known for, uh, <laughs> well, I think of the Fred Sanford show. It's Fred and Lamont. Yeah, I do. Right, I think yeah, about right, that. Yeah. But anyway, so you you grew up in South Central LA, and um, yeah. and uh, did you grow up in a Christian family? No, no, I did not. I I never heard the gospel until I got to university. And, yeah. and and that was rice, right? You got there on a football my, scholarship? My, my mother yeah, my mother was a practicing Buddhist and I didn't grow up with my father. Mm. He was a garden variety garden variety pagan. Um mm. so no, I did not grow up in a Christian home by by any stretch. Mm. Yeah. Well, um how did you come to faith then? Uh guy by the name of Steve Morgan um came to talk to me about starting a Bible study. Um, on the for the for the football team, um, and it's it's you know kind of a more convoluted and roundabout story than that. But essentially, he thought I was a a, a believer, um, and I, I didn't know Jesus from the man in the moon. And uh, we spent a few weeks together talking about that, and uh, that's that's what God used to bring me to Himself. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I, I, I met you in Houston at an event. I can't even remember where. And then, uh, I ended up getting a chance to spend a little time with you at the pastor's conference here, uh, a few years ago. And, uh, it was there. You introduced me to Jay who, uh, does your yes. bookings and I love Jay. Jay does our t-shirts for our SWAT retreat. And my goal yes. is to try to get you to come speak at our SWAT retreat next year i hope i hope we can work it out if covid's over with and done so you were a pastor you you you're a pastor um in houston texas for a while um you one of the guys brad sykes who's involved with swat went to a church where you're um an associate, I think it's called is it sugarland baptist or sugarland or something down in sugarland sugar creek sugar, sugar creek. creek yeah and he was a he was a member of that church while you were down there, yeah. and um, yeah. he was telling me about that. But then you started a church over in the Cy Creek area, right? Your Spring Creek, Spring Cypress area. Yeah, Spring Spring Cypress area. Yeah, and that's yeah, you were the uh, senior pastor there for how many years? Um, we planted that church in two thousand and six, I believe it was, and I was there um, until we left five years ago. And now you're you're heading up a a ministry of education, really, uh, theological training and even just educational training in Africa. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing now over there. Yeah, well, I'm uh, I am a dean at uh, the African Christian University. It's a university. It's a classical Christian uh, liberal arts university here in Lusaka, Zambia, in the capital city. It was started by the Reformed Baptist Churches Association of Zambia. Um, and so I, we came here five years ago to help get that off the ground. And we are now um, completing uh, our fifth year as an institution. We're offering degrees in uh, 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 agriculture, business, education, theology, and fine arts. Um, and you know, we are just starting our first graduate programs. Uh, I'm the dean of the School of Theology, mm-hmm. and we're just about to 
uh, kick off our first graduate program with two master's degrees um, in theology, one in pastoral theology and one in institutional chaplaincy. Um, and so, yeah, and that's 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 what we've been doing uh, for the last five years. It'll be five years next month, in fact. So you've moved from being a pastor to a missionary now, in a sense. You're over there in Zambia. Uh, yeah. And... Well, and- well, well, I like I like to tell people I was all I, I was a missionary in Houston. I just changed location. Well, that's true. That's true. But you're yeah. over in Africa now. I'd like to let people know how they can support you and your family over there. Um, if they go to votibacom dot org, they can donate right to your ministry. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They can they can do that there. And 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 or it. it yeah. I'm sorry, we have a little bit of a delay just because of that. that no, 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 no worries. Uh, and, and, and they can also get no resources. You have a treasure trove of resources on your website that they can get books, uh, DVDs, and all kinds of stuff. And um, I wanted to tell them again, it's Vodi, V-O-D-D-I-E, Bauckham, B-A-U-C-H-A-M, dot org. And, um, and you can get his stuff there or you can make donations there. Uh, his stuff is great. In fact, I, every time I get some of his resources, I end up giving it away to somebody to borrow, and I never get it back. Um, he, he, he's he got a good book called... I, I hear that a lot. <laughs> well, I, I, he's got a book called What He Must Be If He Wants to Marry My Daughter, which I, I highly recommend. It's a great book and a great read for you fathers. Um uh, you also have a book that I can't find right now, Vody, because uh, I gave it to somebody, but it was a good resource about family, le- shepherding your family. Uh, and I can't remember yeah, the fam- family shepherds. Yes. Family shepherds. Yeah. Family yeah. shepherds. That's right. And then the expository apologetics book is also very good. So again, just go to his website, vodibacom.org. That's V O D D I E org and um and check that out so so Vody, i i, I want we got a break coming up in just a minute but i wanted people to kind of have an idea of who you are and what you're you know what you have there that they can access but i want us to talk a little bit about ethnic gnosticism which is a term that yeah. i've never heard anybody use but you and and so i yeah. want you to explain that and then a, a cultural Marxism. My wife heard a, 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 you share about that term as well. And what's going on in our country? We got about uh, two minutes here. Bef- uh, uh, what do we got, Steve? One? How long we got? Two minutes? We got, no, we got to go to our first break. When we come back from this, we'll have you for about 15 minutes. And I just like the biblical perspective on what's happening in our culture and and kind of define those terms that I love what you shared, but I'd like our listeners to hear from you, okay? Absolutely. Okay. Hey, you're listening to SWAT Radio, and I got Dr. Vody Bauckham. We're going to take a short break here uh, for a station break, and we're going to come right back, and he's going to be talking to us uh, from a biblical perspective about ethnic prejudice, and uh, maybe uh, what's happening in our country, but he's going to give us a little different perspective than maybe you've, you've been hearing. And I'm very happy to have him today. Again, I want to give you his website again. It's Vody Bauckham, V-O-D-D-I-E-B-A-U-C-H-A-M.org. And you can get resources on there. You can donate to his ministry. And I really encourage you to do that. 
He is a man who is fighting the fight out there for us. We'll be right back after this break. This program has the potential to reach millions of men each week. If you'd like to learn how you can support this unique program that is helping men understand the truth about Jesus through God's Word and how to impact their lives and the lives of others, then go to www.swatradio.com. Then click on the donate link to help SWAT Radio pass on the truth for the next generation. Highway to Eternity Ministries is a ministry dedicated to encouraging those who have lost hope and coming alongside those who cannot find peace and are considered unfit for inclusion in Christ's church. They use published works to teach God's Word and share encouraging testimonies of transformed lives. Highway to Eternity Ministries serves as a parachurch ministry that comes alongside churches to share its passion and commitment through spiritual writings, nuances, and experiences to everyone who has an interest in the teachings of Jesus Christ. For more information, contact Jeff Andrews at 904-436-5175. Hey, welcome back to SWAT Radio. It's Doug McCary of His Light Ministries. Uh, got Dr. Vody Bacham on the uh, phone. We're Zooming. I'm Zooming with him today uh, because that's the best way for us to talk when he's in Zambia. I appreciate your time. I know it's at night over there. And um, so I appreciate you, although everybody's Zooming now. Everybody's Zooming because of COVID uh, in the States now. So it's not really that big a deal anymore. Um, hey, Dr. Uh, Bakum, I want to ask you a question about our culture right now. Uh, there, a lot of churches are reacting and not responding. They're reacting because they're being told things, and, and there's a lot of guilt. There's a lot of different uh, phrases going around, white privilege, uh, white supremacy, uh, you know, why just a lot of different things. And the church really is asking, I think leaders are wanting to know, one, what's what do we do with this and how do we respond? And and I heard you speak about um, ethnic Gnosticism, and it was really insightful for me. Do you mind taking a moment just sharing with our listeners about your insights about that and maybe apply what's going on in our culture and speak as a pastor to us, as a leader, uh, how we can respond to what's happening? Um, well, ethnic Gnosticism in general is the idea that, uh, and it's based on a Hegelian idea. Um, Hegel was the one, you know, with this sort of master slave motif. And the idea is that there are oppressors and the oppressed Uh, and oppressed people know oppression innately and inherently, but oppressors are blind to it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so because of that, um, an oppressor can't know what they don't know, right? 
when you bring that into uh, the sort of social justice movement, what James Lindsay calls the, the critical social justice movement, because the idea of critical theory, critical theory, Hegelian Marxist idea, oppressor, oppressed, um, when you bring that into this, this concept at, in the discussion about race, what that turns into is what I call ethnic Gnosticism, where uh, ethnic minorities are the oppressed group, again, from that Hegelian model. And because of that, ethnic minorities um, know racism and no oppression. And those in the ethnic majority are incapable of knowing it. This is why the response uh, that's called for is for white people to shut up and listen to black people, right? Um, and so it, it, it's this weird game we play where we say, you cannot understand, but your job is to shut up and listen while I explain what you cannot understand. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, exactly. Um, and if you've, if you've been listening recently, um, leaders from every walk of life, from all over, um, you know, the whole spectrum have basically been saying, you know, it's time for us to listen to our black brothers and sisters. You know, um, these events have shown me uh, that, that that we need to listen to our black brothers and sisters. And this is rooted in the this idea of ethnic Gnosticism, this idea that as, you know, our, Robin DiAngelo and her in her uh, book, White Fragility, which is, I think, the it's number the number one, one bestseller right now. Yep. On Amazon right now. And, and most people haven't read it. You know, um, and her book is just one endless throng. It's it's a it's a glossary of terms that you thought you understood but didn't, because this movement has created an entire new glossary of terms. And so D'Angelo puts it this way: she says that that black people actually have race, and white people don't. Um, and of course, if you don't have race, then what does your voice mean in a discussion about race? Um, and, and that really kind of gets us, it gets us nowhere. Um, and I, it's, it's almost kind of the goal, you yeah. know, if you will, especially for the people involved with, with critical social justice. Um, so that's, that's sort of the essence of. It sounds a lot. It's just critical theory, isn't it? I mean, it's pretty much critical yeah. theory. It's just oppressors. It's two yeah. classes. It's those that, Yes. are oppressors and those that are oppressed. And if you yes. if you're not oppressed, you have no voice. You can never say anything. That's the whole exactly. point. Yeah, and well, not only that, but if you are not oppressed and you're part of the the hegemonic power is the term that they would use. If you're part of the hegemonic power, then anything that you're saying other than I'm guilty and I'm sorry is actually furthering oppression. Um, so this is why you have to be involved in what's called anti-racism. Um, anti-racism is not not being a racist. Anti-racism is actually advocacy. A anti-racism is recognizing this oppressor-oppressed structure and recognizing as an oppressor that you are part of this structure, that you benefit from this structure, and spending the rest of your days doing penance by fighting to break down those structures and to exp to expose those structures and to break down those structures and ultimately to reverse those structures. 
we need to understand that this is critical theory and that it comes from uh, a cultural Marxist background. And so ultimately, it's about revolution. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you want to understand that, that's why we don't talk about reforming the police, right? We talk about defunding the police. Now, most people hear that and they think it's stupid on its face, right? Yeah. Who's going to respond to that 911 call? That's just dumb. Yeah. Defund the police? You're crazy, right? No, 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 no. This is about revolution. And if you understand the police as the enforcers of the hegemonic power structure, then reforming them means absolutely nothing. You got to get rid of them, right? You you got to get rid of them. That's the only way you break the hegemonic structure. And so it makes complete sense that these people would use this kind of language. Well, so... So as let's as I I would consider you a statesman leader of the Christian community. You've you've been given a platform by God and and influence. Um, how would you speak to people like me who lead a ministry or pastors here who are saying, how do we respond to this biblically? We want to be understanding that yes, there has been injustice. Uh, people have been mistreated because they have more melanin in their skin. Yeah. How do we? Yeah lead our people to be part of loving and empathetic, but yet not also victim to the Marxist part. Right. And, and, you know, what I've been doing, and I'm actually, you know, working on a a, a book on this. And one of the things that's really been painful for me to watch is how people just, you know, just go on and on and on about, you know, the, the, the injustices and all these things that are very real. Right. And they point out all these things that they're referring to as structural racism or institutional racism, depending on who's who's talking about it. And then at the end, it's always the same. Now, I'm not saying I have the solution because there are no solutions Mm. other than shut up and listen. Mm -hmm. Um, and, 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 you know, maybe they call it engaging in the conversation, but the conversation is not a conversation at all because the oppressor doesn't have anything to contribute to the conversation because the oppressor doesn't understand oppression. So what I'm looking at is, okay, what do we do? And I'm saying there's five things we do. First, we have to reject and repudiate critical theory. Mm-hmm. We, we, we have to. We have to stand against it, recognize what it is, teach our people about it, and repudiate it. Mm-hmm. Don't play the game. Don't be bullied. Um, secondly, we have to keep law and gospel in order. You see... This whole idea of anti-racism, it's a new religion. It's a new cult. Mm-hmm. And it is a legalistic cult where there is no salvation and no hope because there is no savior. Mm-hmm. Um, we got to keep law and gospel separate. We got we to gotta make sure that we are proclaiming the gospel and that we're pointing the gospel to the heart of man. The third thing is we got to have a mature adult view of our country and its history. Mm-hmm. And, and this immature view happens in two ways. On the one hand, you've got people who are like the kid who think, you know, my kids were, my little kids were arguing with my big kids over whether or not I could pick up our car. <laughs> because in the minds of our little kids, that immature view says dad can do anything, right? And there's some people who think about America that way, like America's perfect. Well, it's not. And then on the other end, there's the people who believe that America is all oppression all the time, and it's never been anything but oppression. Whereas maturity recognizes, especially Christian maturity recognizes that our country is flawed and fallen, 
because we are flawed and fallen. Mm -hmm. And by God's grace, there are magnificent things that have come and there are magnificently wicked things that have come. We got to have an honest discussion about that. Four, we must recognize and confront the other pieces of the social justice agenda. It comes with other pieces. And all Robin DiAngelo, all the rest of them who are writing about this in academia, they always include the other forms of oppression. Intersectionality, right, includes uh, the, the feminist uh, side. The, the LGBT the, side, yeah. The LGBTQIA++ <laughs> side. The uh, climate justice side. The, you know, all of these different things that come as part and parcel of this this worldview, because critical theory gets into all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. And then finally, uh, I say we must fight demons instead of chasing ghosts. Mm. People are out there talking about, you know, systemic racism. Do you, do you, do you believe there's systemic racism or not? And, and my first question is always, what do you mean by that? How are you defining that? And usually what people are saying is, because they're not saying that there are systems out there that are designed, you know, that, that, you know, they're not talking about slavery and Jim Crow and, and, and segregation and redlining and all these things today. They're not saying that those things exist today. What they're saying is that the disparities that we see today are connected to those things that we saw then. Mm -hmm. um, and, and again, we can't even have a discussion about that. Um, you know, I said to somebody, you know, earlier, uh, you know, statistics was not my favorite class in college, right? <laughs> yeah. and, and and for most people, it, it it wasn't. You know, you thought statistics, how hard can it be, right? It, it it almost killed me. But one of the things that I got in statistics was this: correlation is not causation. Mm, I like but that. What what systemic racism theory says is correlation is causation, and so. Again, to go back to D'Angelo's book, she talks about the idea of aversive racism. And she gives examples of aversive racism. And one of the examples is attributing disparities between black people and white people to anything other than racism. Mm. Right? Yeah. You, again, and so we end up, what can we do then? And the answer is nothing. So I think what we need to do is we need to look at things that are, that are real. Yeah. Things that we can fight that are real. Um, well, I'm sorry, you got a break coming. Yeah, No, we got to go. We're done. Uh, <laughs> uh, but listen, okay. I want you back, right. okay? I want to get you back, brother, okay? okay? okay. Hey, you've been All listening right. to Vody Bakum on SWAT Radio. Vody, hang on with me just after this. Hey, thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow on SWAT Radio, okay? If you missed a SWAT Radio broadcast this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety, then go to SWATradio.com. Click on Past Shows, where you can listen to the broadcast. Also, if you're looking for a band of brothers that gather around God's Word to be a part of, then go to SWATradio.com and email one of our hosts, and they can get you plugged in to one of the local SWAT Bible studies. Tune in next time to explore how SWAT Radio is strengthening spiritual